We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome to a special edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher for Irish Breakdown, and we are going to talk today about Notre Dame recruiting. We're going to begin the show, and this is going to be kind of split into two podcasts, but just one actual video show. We're going to begin the show talking about uh, Ashton Craig and the commitment of Ashton Craig to Notre Dame, what this means for Notre Dame, why this is a big pickup for Notre Dame, and sort of what's next when it comes to offensive line recruiting. When we're done with that, and then I'll probably address some questions related specifically to Ashton Craig. When we are done with that, the conversation will then turn into uh, turn to what I have been able to gather here uh, the last last night and then today this morning regarding Notre Dame's official visitors. Got a little bit more information than I do normally because it was such a small group of players, and of course, one of the players is already committed. So, got a lot of good information to go over today. Going to be a lot to discuss. And it was a good weekend for Notre Dame. So a lot of good news to, to go over. So let's start first start talking about Ashton Craig. So I, I think be, to begin, I, I think obviously Ashton Craig committed to Notre Dame last night. You know, kind of hinted uh, on Friday that that I expected him to, to join the class. Didn't say when, but had a feeling it was going to happen this weekend. Actually, pretty cool story. So uh, I was in communication with his coach throughout the day yesterday. I, I knew that Ashton had committed. And so I talked to the coach about, you know, hey, do you have any idea how Ashton is going to, how he's going to do this? You know, is he going to, is he going to, you know, do something on Twitter or whatever? Because the thing is, I haven't been able to find a Twitter account for Ashton. So his coach told me, yeah, he doesn't have a, a Twitter account. So he's, he's going to make a new one or he's going to make one. And he ended up not making one. He ended up just having his coach tweet it out. But, you know, I, I said to the coach, I said, is it wrong that I love the fact that an offensive lineman doesn't have a Twitter account? I just, that's one thing that I, I did see. About this young man that I do like is he's not someone who is necessarily overly concerned with being in the public eye or anything along those those lines. He just wants to go out and he just wants to go play football. And so you know I I I, I like that about him. And so you know when I when I watch Ashton Craig, I, I I think we have to have a conversation about how to properly evaluate this commitment. And and I know this can be difficult, but the reality is is. For me, 
Okay, this is my opinion. We have to be able to differentiate the overall opinion of Jeff Quinn as a recruiter or the 2022 recruiting class from the specifics of Ashton Craig. And what I mean by that is I, there's a lot of people, I've seen a lot of negativity for, uh, from some Notre Dame fans. And it's it's understandable. Again, not criticizing y'all, but it's, hey, he's you know three-star or I was hoping for somebody better, whatever the case may be. That can still be true. And, and I wrote an article today, a What's Next article, where I say for this offensive line class to be a success, it's really going to be determined by what comes next and who they finish this class off with. Having said that, that doesn't mean Ashton Craig is still not a very good pickup. And that's what this part of the, the podcast is going to focus on. And then we'll we'll dive into some um you know some what's next stuff as far as how to finish. But but I'll say this: if you were to tell me that Notre Dame was going to get Jake Taylor and Billy Shrouth to finish this class off, and that's not gonna happen. I'm just making a point because you know Billy Shrouth's my number one interior blocker, Jake Taylor's my number one tackle. If you were to tell me they were going to finish off the class with those two kids, you say, well, then what do you do with Ashton Craig? I'd still take him. Th- that's the thing is to me, yes, this was a move for Notre Dame because based on the fact that they were fading with other players, I'm not going to deny that. But this is still a good football player and a player that honestly, I would have been okay if they would have got on sooner and gone after sooner and not as a replacement. So just because of the timing of it and the fact that this is a replacement commitment, doesn't take away from the fact that this kid can play. Now, again, that's just him specifically. It doesn't necessarily mean that I love the entire class or that they're in great shape offensive line recruiting, all those kind of things. I just want to focus first on Ashton Craig. And the first thing I like about Ashton Craig is he's a kid that has really gone out and earned himself some offers this offseason. You know, he was a kid that I was a junior in high school. He was a little undersized. He was about 260 pounds. Athletic kid. We're going to pop in some film here in a second and watch it. You know, he but he's someone that that said, "Hey, I, I want, I think I can play at that level." And so he went out and earned it. And he worked out at Notre Dame's camp, earned an offer, checked in at two hundred eighty three pounds. He's clearly put on some size, put on some weight. That's a positive. And I think from a skill set standpoint, the thing I like about him is, you know, he's one of those kids that you know I talk a lot about, and, and we had mentioned this a couple weeks ago on the show. You know, one of the things I have said in the past is I think that when it comes to you know, recruiting rankings. And this isn't just about recruiting rankings. This is also from college coaches as well. I think one position where you see a lot more misses, in my opinion, is offensive line. And the reason is, is I think far too often the emphasis gets put on the guys that are already 290 to 300 plus pounds. You know, the guys that are already big and strong and physical and can just bully high school players. And then those guys go to college and then they start going up against guys that are as big or more athletic or whatever the case may be than them. And and they're not the top level athletes and those kind of things where we often see this. And, and I've made this point before you see these kids go to Iowa and Wisconsin and, you know, schools like that. And you don't know who they are as recruits and you know, you don't do anything the first couple of years and you, 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 they don't, I mean, you understand, okay, yeah, three-star player, you know, we don't need to hear about him. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden, you know, Redshirt sophomore, redshirt junior year, all of a sudden this kid's in the starting lineup, replacing some all Big Ten or you know, all Big 12 lineman. And next thing you know, this kid's the next all Big Ten or all Big 12 lineman. And next thing you know, a kid like this, you know, turns into a draftable player. We see that all the time. And the reason is, is because a lot of times you have kids like this, like Ashton Craig, who 
you know, was 250 to 260 pounds as a junior. And then all of a sudden hits a really good natural growth spurt between his junior and senior year. And all of a sudden he shows up at Notre Dame and he's 283, which is what I was told he made, went, uh, measured in at Notre Dame at the camp. And he still moves as well as he did in high school. And then he'll, he'll get bigger and stronger and, and more athletic. And I've always felt that if you can add a kid like this every year, I'm good with that. But he's got to be your fourth lineman in the class, in my opinion, in most years. And so let, let's dive a little bit into Ashton Craig and we'll start getting some specifics of the things that I see from him that uh, that really make me feel like this is a a really good pickup. And I think the first thing that we'll see as we watch, as we dive into the film, the first thing you're going to see is he's not real big. Now, I do like his length. I do think he has very long arms. That's the first thing that stands out. But he was not real big. Like I said, he's 250, 260 pounds. He's now up to 283 pounds. I've seen some pictures of him in a Notre Dame uniform from his visits that his coach sent me. And it's a good 20-plus pound jump. I mean, it's it's not a situation where he ate a bunch of cheeseburgers this offseason and put on 23 pounds. I mean, he he looks he looks good with that 23 pounds. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And I want to kind of get into the, those last couple of clips. I think the one thing you'll see from this too is even though he's not a guy that that has a lot of butt on him, you know, compared to the two ninety to three hundred pound players, he fights. He's a really scrappy player, moves his feet well, and you're going to see a kid that really battles. And so when I say you have that kind of mentality, and you kind of put him into the you know with twenty five, thirty, and eventually forty pounds from what you see here, that's what you got to like. And so I see a kid that's with got really good foot quickness on the edge. You see it here. He's a, as a defensive end, really good burst off the edge, really athletic player, really tough player, instinctive player. He's kind of raw technically, needs a lot of fundamental work, you know, footwork and hand placement and angles and things like that. So he's a pretty raw kid. But I see that suddenness. Now, Notre Dame is recruiting Ashton Craig to be an interior player, so a center guard guy. And they've, they've talked about him being a center. First and foremost, so you see that out of his stance, you see really nice pass set there, really quick out of his stance. I actually think he could play tackle. I think he's long enough to play tackle, but Notre Dame is recruiting him to play inside. So here are some of the things you got to look for then as a <clears throat> as an interior player. Number one is you need to see that foot quickness out of the stance, right? You got to see a guy that can play with a good base. If a guy, is, if a center cannot come off the ball quickly and cannot play with a good strong wide base, he's going to struggle. 
And, and that's the thing about Ashton Craig that I do see. And this is also with a guy that's a 260 pound player at that, at that, at that as well. So he's not even a 290 pound player. So he's not throwing his weight around like some of the, you know, like Blake Fisher did and like Rocco Spindler did. He's got to just do it with strength and power and those type of things. But you see a kid that's very quick off the ball. All these clips that you're seeing right now, you're seeing very good quickness off the ball. You're seeing a kid that's got strong hands. He's not a defensive lineman, but you can see it. Strong hands, pushes this little guy around. And that's an important thing too. So you've got to be able, as a center, you've got to be able to snap, step, and punch all in one fluid, strong motion. And if you don't have strong hands as a center and you don't have some power, you're going to have a hard time. You're going to get knocked around a lot. And I don't think that's going to be an issue for Ashton once he gets the weight up. Now, my big concern, this is a nice job of keeping his, his hip square. I've talked about this. He's he's coming, stepping down into the B gap for a double team. But he keeps his hip square, keeps his eyes open. Ah, shoot, sorry. Keeps his eyes open and then gets to that linebacker. Get back to that play here. So that was a good example. This is a fundamentally sound play right here. Stays in the B gap, comes up. Gets up to the linebacker. Now, he does lose his base on the second level quite a bit. And you see this. This is one of those fundamental things. So, see how he's kind of power walking to the second level, keeps that base, and then all of a sudden he starts to engage and he loses his base. Now, he buries this kid, but a college linebacker is just going to – once that base gets narrow, a college linebacker is just going to throw him and get off to the block. But I do like the first part of that of that play. You see kid with athleticism. He's got the demeanor you want. You know, I mean, he's pancaking kids. He's pushing kids around. He plays with nastiness to him. I really like that. Stops his feet a little bit there. He's got to really explode his hips through contact. See, he just kind of places his hands there. He doesn't explode into the guy. Those are some of the things I talk about where I see where he's going to have to really work on that. Especially as a center, because everything happens so quickly as a center. I mean, you, you can't you can't have any hesitation as a center. You've got to be able to quickly make movements. Again, you're going to see from this kid on film, this is an athletic young lineman. It's a good athlete. It's got to, yeah, you're going to have to get stronger, but he's got powerful hands. I do like that. It's got the extra weight. I like that. He's got a great motor. Really like his motor. You see some hands there. I like that. You see his see how see the the hand play right there. It's got quick hands. I like when this is one of the reasons I like watching offensive linemen play defense because he now has to learn. Okay, how do I beat an offensive lineman? Well, if you know how to beat an offensive lineman, then you know what defensive players are going to try to do to beat you, and you develop counter moves, and that's important. And the versatility, really nice pass out here. Now, now. Really nice pass set here from a quickness standpoint. This is not a good pass set from a from a technical standpoint because he oversets, which allows that guy to beat him inside a little bit, but he's able to recover quickly, and that's something I like. So even though it's not necessarily good, you see really nice change of direction there. He plants on that right foot, quickly gets back inside, keeps a good base, keeps working his feet. The guy tries to go back outside. He works with him there. You say, well, this is a smaller player. Yes, he's going to be able to physically push him around, but usually those smaller players like this are going to be better athletes. And he's able to pick this up and handle it. And this is a, this is, shows good athleticism, good base. It's a good football player. He definitely plays it with some swagger. There's no doubt about that. He's going to have to clean it up a little bit, but you, you, you have to. I mean, look, you can, you can go off the three stars and those other kind of things, but yeah, I think this is one of the kids, honestly. I think this is one of the kids that was his ranking was hurt a little bit by COVID. 
I'm not saying he'd be like a top 100 player at all. I'm not saying that at all. But I, I do think he would have a better offer list than he already has. And he's got a pretty good offer list. Florida State, Notre Dame, Michigan, Iowa, Iowa State, Nebraska, Northwestern have all offered him. But he's the kind of kid that if he would have been at camps last summer and if he would be, if he, you know, if he'd have gone to some camps this summer, he, he probably would be ranked higher than he is. Again, not saying he's going to be a super highly ranked kid, but I do think he'd be ranked higher because I think people would be really impressed with his athleticism. You can, I mean, it, it, the one part about this is he does play against somewhat smaller players for the most part. This kid right here looks like he's got a little bit of size, and you can see when he hits the kid, you can see the kid's shoulders rock back. And that's one of the clips that shows me he does have pretty strong hands, even though he doesn't shoot his hands. And that's something I want to see him work on. He doesn't shoot his hands. He just kind of places his hands and then benches the guy back. I want to see him do a little bit better of striking with his hands. And he doesn't really do that a lot. And I'd like to see him do that because he's got fast hands and he's got pretty strong hands. I want to see him strike with those a little bit better. Watch him. See him lock that guy out. Again, this is showing me strong hands. He's a defensive player here. Comes off the line, takes that tight end and just, Pushes him back, rocks him back. Good base there. Going up against a pretty good-sized kid there, too. It's a good play. Here he's playing guard. And this is one of the clips I like. No, this is him playing left tackle. Excuse me. This is one of those plays I really like because you get to see him really come off the ball quickly and get on that guy like in a hurry. He gets into that gap quick and just hits the guy hard. Again, you see it here. He, he's able to push this guy back because he's got strong hands, pretty strong lower body, but he's got to learn to strike a little bit better. It's kind of places his hands on guys. Left tackle again. Good punch. Puts that guy on the ground pretty quickly. He's a powerful kid, even though he's not real big, and that's one of the things I like about him. He's just, He's got a lot of technical stuff that he, he's got to improve upon. It's going to help him become an even more effective player, but there's a lot to like about Ashton Craig. Last couple plays here, and then we'll get back to talking about him, and then we'll get to talk about the offensive line class as a whole. And you can see the quickness out of, this, out of the break, good athleticism, good redirect. This kid's a good football player. He really is. He's a good football player. So that is Notre Dame's latest commitment. That is Ashton Craig uh, from Lawrenceburg High School in Indiana, which is really southeastern part of Indiana. And um, – it's a good pickup. You know, again, this is a good football player. This is the kind of kid that I like to take at least, you know, one of a year. I don't want to take all five of my offensive linemen like him. I want to have more players that have higher ceilings. And I think that like a Joey Tonona, for example, has a higher ceiling or excuse me, higher floor. I want some guys with higher floors than Ashton Craig. Joey Tonona, I believe has that. <clears throat> and, you know, but this is a kid that can play. He's the third offensive line commit in the class. He joins Joy Tonona. We just talked about another in-state player. That gives Notre Dame three Indiana offensive linemen in the last two years, which is it's good that Indiana is starting to produce a little bit, you know, a few more linemen. There's actually a really good offensive lineman from the state of Indiana this year, Keontae Goodwin, but he just he wasn't a fit at Notre Dame, so they weren't able to go after him. But it's a good sign that that Indiana's starting to produce some more higher caliber offensive lineman so obviously Tanone is relatively highly ranked he's the number 166 player in the country according to the, the 247 sports composite list and he is uh, a guy that I grade as a top 150-ish caliber player and obviously Blake Fisher was a was a stud so Notre Dame has three offensive linemen in the class Tanona projects as more of a, as an interior player and Tai Chan projects as a tackle I'm really curious to see Tai Chan as a 
as a senior, I just I, it's hard for me to have much of an opinion of him because the, there's so little film of him playing offensive line, and he was so undersized. He was like 260 pounds. He's up to over 300 pounds now, so I have no idea what to expect. And uh, you know, so it's it's hopefully he's going to be make the strides that that some people think he's going to make this year. That be be big. He's a tackle, and then Ashton Craig to me is a bit of a swing guy that Notre Dame's recruiting to play inside now. As we look at what needs to happen next to fill out the class, I think Notre Dame needs at least one more high-level prospect. And, and, and to me, it, it's got to be a guy that's got a very high ceiling, whether it's someone with a maybe a lower floor high ceiling, that wouldn't be ideal. But, you know, there's a guy out there that I would take. Um, and I think that I, I, I'd still like to see him get to five. I, I really would. I'd like to see him get to five in this class because you have some guys with lower floors, I think, and high ceilings. I think you need to to go for numbers, kind of like we've talked about a quarterback. So I think that's a that's an important thing for me. And, and uh, uh, look, it, it talked about the article today. It really comes down to three things. Number one, They've got to they've got to make a comeback with the three Wisconsin kids, at least one of them. You know, two weeks ago the situation was Billy Shrouth was in as good of a position with Billy Shrouth as you can be in. I mean, it just you were, and it was he was all set to be an, an official member of the class, and something happened from his Wisconsin visit to his Notre Dame visit, which were in the first two weekends of June, that basically caused him to where Notre Dame was not completely out of the picture, but fading fast. Carson Hinsman visits a week later. Notre Dame was at worst, in my opinion, his co-leader. And he has a visit, and next thing you know, it's fading. Notre Dame's basically out. And there's uh, discrepancies from what's being reported as to why that is. Some of the things that were reported aren't aren't accurate. but the fact is, is that it's not looking like Carson Hinsman is going to be in the class. And Joe Bruner, I've always said this. Uh, I've said this for months. I never felt like Joe Bruner was a guy that they were going to get. I always felt he really liked Wisconsin. And I felt Ohio State was the program that had the better shot to pull off, pull off that, him out of Wisconsin than Notre Dame did. But you, you felt like there was a, for a while there, they, they had a good chance to get two of them. Then you hope that they can still get one. Now it's looking like they're not going to get any. Here's the good news. Number one is they're all three still on the board. None of them have committed. The other good news, I talked to a couple sources. I got it confirmed again last night, but Tommy Reese and Brian Kelly are both going after Billy Shrouth hard. They know where things stand. They know they faded. They know that the in-state school has very, 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 very much played up the whole stay home thing. That was impactful for Billy Shrouth. Tommy Reese and Brian Kelly are both from what I'm told, both working hard to try to get that one back on track. That's a positive, right? So you, you've identified, hey, we're fading. You've got to recognize it before it's too late. And so far, they've been able to do that, and they're battling. And so that's a positive sign. I don't feel as I still don't feel super optimistic about that one, but I feel more optimistic about Billy Shrouth now than I did maybe three, four days ago. So that's a good sign. Carson Hensman. Again, I just I don't see that one. I don't see that one happening. But if you can get Billy Shrouth back into class, he was my top Wisconsin blocker in this class. The reason, and I like Carson Hensman a lot, but there's a couple reasons I would I would if I could only have one of them, one of the three, I would take Billy Shrouth. Number one, I think he's the best combination of size and athleticism and power. Joe Bruner's the biggest, but he's not overly athletic. 
Uh, Billy Shrouth is 280, 285. He's very athletic, but he's also very strong. He's got length. He's an interior play in high school. Their name was recruiting to play on the inside, but I honestly believe Billy Shrouth can play tackle. I do. I think he's got, I, I mean, he hasn't done it, but I'd give him that shot as a freshman. See what he can do. And if he can't stick outside, just move him back inside. But I think he could be a right tackle. I think he's got the athleticism, the length, the power, all those things to be a tackle. So having a guy that can really, another guy, you know, Tonona could play right tackle. You know, he played right tackle as a sophomore. So you've got some guys, I think Ash and Craig could be a tackle. So you've got some guys who could be tackles. And if you get Shrouf and Tonona and Craig, none of them are necessarily pure tackles from the standpoint of their projectability to the next level, even though two of the three play tackle in high school, or at least have played tackle. Tano did played center this past year, but he did play tackle. He Notre Dame offered him and com, got a commitment from him as a tackle. And then, of course, he moved to center as a junior and played great. But if you get the three of those four, that's three more guys that could play tackle, and you only need one of them to be able to stick a tackle along with Ty Chan. If that happens, Billy Shrouth, to me, is the one of those three Wisconsin linemen that takes away your need for a fifth lineman. And what I mean by that is because of what I just explained, that there's three of those four. One is so one is a tackle. Ty Chan's a tackle. Three of the other four, if if they were able to get Billy Shrouth. And again, I'm I'm not super optimistic right now, but I, I'm I'm feeling better about what I was. I'm just talking hypothetically here. Three of those four could play tackle, which means you just need one of them to be able to stick at tackle. I feel better about numbers after getting five last year. Then you can say, okay, we don't need to force another guy into the class unless, you know, Jake Taylor, Zach Rice want to come. And we'll get into Zach Rice here a little bit. And I don't, I don't see either one of those happening, but you're still in the battle. So unless you're able to get one of those guys, the only other tackle left on the board is Emil Wagner. Well, there's a lot to like about Emil Wagner. He's very athletic, good athlete, you know, uh, good length. Bring some skills to the table. He certainly has a high recruiting profile, although I don't think his recruiting ranking is matches his projectability. I think he's ranked a little higher than he should be based on some of his his size concerns. Ohio State offered him. They were the team to beat. They're no longer the team to beat right now simply because I, talking to my sources at Ohio State doesn't sound like they're necessarily pushing for him yet. I don't think Emil could call today and, and commit. There's some other guys they have higher, and what I was told is the concern that Ohio State has, as much as they like him in some other areas, that they too are concerned about, and especially from his visit, that they're concerned about can he fill out his frame to the point where he can play offensive tackle. And that's their concern, and that's my concern. And I don't know if Notre Dame has that concern. I haven't had a chance to talk to anybody about Emil Wagner, but that's that's a concern there. So again, high ceiling, lower floor. And you know, so you'd have really kind of three or four of those guys in this class if, if you were able to get him and and Billy Shrouth. Although I'd say, I think you could argue that Shrouth has a high ceiling and a high floor. He'd be my number one ranked offensive lineman. Joey Tanone has a higher floor, doesn't have the ceiling of Billy Shrouth, but he's probably got the highest floor of anybody in this in this class if they were able to get Shrouth and Wagner. I'm not saying they're going to get either one of those guys. I'm just making examples of what they need to do to finish. So that's... That's kind of where they are. I, I'm not super optimistic that they're going to get anybody other than potentially Emil Wagner, and I don't think it's a given that they're going to get Emil Wagner at this point in time. I think Notre Dame put themselves in a good position, but I think he likes Kentucky. I think he would still – I think you're still in that time frame where if Ohio State called tomorrow and said, hey, we, we want you, you know, we're, we're ready to take your commitment, I still feel like they'd be the team to beat. But that window's closing. 
I mean, if Ohio State doesn't let him commit this summer, I could see him saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to go somewhere where I'm wanted. Would that be Notre Dame? Would that be Maryland? Would that be Kentucky? That remains to be seen. But, you know, obviously he's one of the last pure tackles on the board. And so that is kind of my analysis of the Notre Dame offensive line situation for right now. It's um, it's not an ideal situation, if we're being honest. You know, Notre Dame is in a position right now where <clears throat> you could end up coming up short on numbers. You may have to reach and go get some other guys. I'm glad that they did not decide to, you know, they're not, from what I understand, they're not going to push for Ryan Bear right now. He'd have to kind of go out and show some better things as a senior. There was some, uh, let's, how do, how do I say this? There was a difference of opinion amongst the staff of whether or not he was the guy that Notre Dame should take. And the right side of that argument won out, as far as I can tell. So that's a positive. So they're going to have to find some other linemen. The other thing they're going to have to do is, and I hope that we see this, if Billy Shrouth or Carson Hensman or Joe Bruner or Jake Taylor would have committed to Notre Dame, do you think Wisconsin would have stopped recruiting those kids from this in-state? No. Would Oklahoma and Alabama stop recruiting Jake Taylor? No. If Zach Rice committed to Notre Dame, would Ohio State and North Carolina and you know Virginia and Alabama stop recruiting Zach Rice? No. And that's what Notre Dame needs to do. And if the, some of these top prospects commit elsewhere, I'd rather see them run the risk of coming up short on numbers but still pushing for the guys they really want than settle for a player that, that to me, you shouldn't be taking. And they've done a little bit too much of that. And, they, and they've kind of been caught in this weird place where in 2020 you came up really short on numbers and you got beat for most of your top guys. You were able to get a good plan B in Michael Carmody. And again, plan B doesn't is not a, always a bad thing. You caught some breaks that is, you know, he wanted to be at Notre Dame. His brother was at Notre Dame, but you came up short on numbers. You know, you passed, you know, you slow played Peter Skaronsky. And then when you tried to turn the heat up, it was too late and he was going to Northwestern. He turned into a freshman All-American. That was a big mistake. Last year, they missed out on a lot of top guys, and they had to settle for a, a guy like Joe Walt, who I liked. Caleb Johnson's a solid player, but not your typical Notre Dame offensive lineman. And then Pat Coogan. So, you know, your third guy is what? Joe Walt, who's sort of a, like what I said about Ashton Craig, you don't want that guy to be your third best lineman in the class. So now it's, what do they do in this class? They're going to come up short on numbers again? Do you run the risk of, hey, we're short on numbers, but... You know, so we've got to go get somebody, and then you bring in a guy that maybe can't play at a place like Notre Dame or play to the level that you need him to play for you to continue your dominance along the offensive line. That's a major question mark and a major concern. Or do you say, hey, we're going to run the risk of that, but we're going to push for, you know, these guys that we like? And I would like to see that part. And then, look, there's some kids in Notre Dame could flip in October, November if they got into a pinch and they needed a fourth lineman and they knew they weren't going to flip those other guys. But I, I, that's what I would do. I'd like to see them fight for kids that they missed on. I wish they would have done that for Jimmy Chris. If they'd have done that for Jimmy Chris two years ago, he'd be at Notre Dame right now, not at Penn State. Now, maybe he doesn't pan out or not, but he's a guy that you would have liked, and they certainly liked him. They wanted him more than Pete Skaronsky early in the process. So that's what I'd like to see them do. Now, do they have the this the the offensive line coach that, that's a good enough recruiter to pull off that kind of win? That remains to be seen, but I would still try. And if I was Tommy Reese, I would still give that a shot as well, and and go from there. So that's uh that's where we're at when it comes to Notre Dame offensive line recruiting. So before we move on to the next part of the weekend visits, I do want to go through and answer some offensive line questions and uh and talk about that. And then we'll we'll pause and then we'll dump into jump into this weekend's visits. And then what we'll do is tomorrow, 
I'll follow up with any new intel I get from this weekend, but then I'm also going to kind of give a rundown of just where things stand with Notre Dame recruiting. Now that official visits are done, kind of give a sort of a state of the union is, is the, the latest I know about all these recruits. So that's what we'll do tomorrow. So I want to dive through these. Here's a good good pick comment to start off with. Solid pickup fans shouldn't be mad. I agree. Um, I agree. Uh, Pasquale, hello from Denver, my former stomping grounds. I lived out in Denver for a couple of years when I first got married. Uh, Brian Vince, love the show. Thanks for all your work. Lifelong Notre Dame fan. I've never found a community quite like this to get my Notre Dame football fix. Go Irish, go Broncos. And it doesn't hurt that the that the publisher of the of the channel that you're now watching, Pasquale, is also a Broncos fan. So I'm sure that doesn't hurt as well. Pasquale also asked, Brian, um, you've made thoughts on Quinn well known. Could you dive into Harry Heastan coaching history? What makes him great? Connections to Kelly, uh, why he came to and left Notre Dame, why Chicago fired him, returned to Notre Dame. Uh, just a couple quick things briefly. I won't get into this now. Pasquale, this is a great question for a mailbag. Just I want to kind of focus on recruiting here. But um, number one, yeah, coaching history, coach for the Bears when they went to the Super Bowl back in, I think, 06, is respected by uh, amongst offensive line coaches as one of the very best offensive line coaches in the business, regardless of position. There have been other great coaches, offensive line coaches, have also been fired in the past. It happens. I put that more on Matt Nagy than I do Harry Heastan, but I'm not I'm not going to dive too much into that because I don't know a ton about it, but I'm, I'm not a huge Matt Nagy fan. As far as came Notre Dame, he came from Tennessee. That was a, a, a situation where he was working for a, just a horrible head coach. It wasn't going really well there. Uh, he left Tennessee. Notre Dame hired him. I was thrilled about the hire when it happened. It was prior to the 2012 season. He replaced Ed Warner. Uh, I don't think he had a connection to Kelly. This is the only time Brian Kelly's ever had – you know, I mean, there, there's two coaches. There's only three offensive line coaches hires that Brian Kelly's ever made. He's Jeff Quinn, Ed Warner, and and uh, uh, Harry Heastan. Because obviously, Jeff Quinn was his offensive line coach for all those years at Grand Valley State. That was his offensive line coach at Central Michigan and Cincinnati. And the reason that Brian Kelly hired Ed Warner and then Harry Heastan is because Jeff Quinn wasn't available. He was the head coach of Buffalo at the time, the University of Buffalo, and so he wasn't available. <clears throat> And so he hired Harry Heastan, and it was a great move. And then part of the reason they hired him too is Harry is a is sort of an NFL style running, you know, run game guy. He's an inside outside zone guy, counter, you know, stuff like that. Whereas before with that Coach Warner and with what Brian Kelly brought with him, it was a gap scheme, so pin and pull stuff, things like that. And Kelly, Coach Kelly, wanted to make the move to a more pro style run game, and that's one of the reasons Coach Heastan was brought in. Uh, he's a great teacher. And this is from talking to his players. He's a great teacher. He's very demanding. There's a level of excellence that he demands in every aspect of what they've done. I had one player tell me one time that I try to remember what the situation was, but it was it was a deal where like he showed up and he had like the wrong coat, like jacket on. And Coach Eastan made him like go back and and get the right jacket or like iron is there's like iron is jacket something like it was something where it's like the kid was like everybody's like wow. Why, why would he do that? And the lesson that he gave was you can't just turn that switch of excellence on and off, right? It's something that's expected of you all the time. He was a very hard coach. He was really on players. He, he used very colorful language, but, you know, talk to his players. The reason they didn't care is because, number one, offensive linemen are different cats. But number two is it was always – there was in, in between the swear words, it was always teaching. It was never just swearing to cuss at them. It's just kind of how he talked, and it was always teaching. He was a great teacher. Everything that they did drill-wise 
had a purpose. He was one of those people that put great value in what you practice is going to base is going to be based on what you play. It needs to practically go to what you're going to do. And so he did that great technician, uh, understood toughness, drive, finish, hand placement, footwork, angles, all those kind of things. Did a great job of, of leading them through the, the, the Notre Dame players. One thing I always was told for years that is that the Notre Dame players always felt like when they, when they played, that they're always prepared for what they were going to face. They didn't always execute it real well. You know, th- that's going to happen with everybody, but they were always prepared. He was, he was really good at the preparation aspect of things. And so, um, you know, th- those are the things that, 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 that make him great and just a great mind for the position. Uh, why he left Notre Dame, I just think he was kind of tired of being in college, coaching college football. I, I don't think, I don't think him and Brian Kelly had animosity, but I don't think they necessarily got along either. Uh, Harry Heastan was one of those offensive line coaches that it was his room and, you know, nobody was going to come into his room, whether you're the head coach or the president of the United States, you're not coming into his room. And I don't think coach Kelly always liked that. And, you know, he always knew he was going to have Jeff Quinn there to take over when that time came. And that time came. I don't see Harry Heastan ever coming back to Notre Dame. I don't I don't see Harry Heastan coaching again, at least not on a full-time basis. I, I could see him kind of turning into like a Jim McNally kind of guy where he just he does camps and clinics and works with young coaches and things like that. I would would have no problem if he came back to Notre Dame, but I just I don't see that happening. Jojo, I appreciate the kind words very, very, very much. Uh, I'm going to try to get to some offensive line commitments here. Um, Jojo says, uh, any other potential commits coming beside Craig? Lots of us are disappointed with what's happening with O-line recruits and the potential we had, i.e. three Wisconsin recruits and Taylor. I'll let it play out. Good, good idea. Good idea. Uh, Jojo also says, uh, I heard Chan came for a visit and impressed 6'5", 298, but we shall see how he's able to play the position. Uh, Craig, 6'5", 283, uh, 11th, and Martin, 6'4", 270. Uh, close comparison. I, I think Craig, I think Craig is, I mean, first of all, Ty Chan, I've seen him up to as much as 3'4", uh, or 304. Uh, for me, with him, it's just about whether or not he can play it that weight. And I'm not saying he can't, I, I need to see it. I just haven't seen it. So I think that's kind of where I'm, uh, where I'm at with that one. It, just got to see him play, but I'm excited for it. I mean, even with very little I saw, I gave him a four and a half star upside grade, which is that of a top fifty recruit because you could see the athleticism, you could see the length and the the strong hands. I just got to see him play. As far as Craig and, and the the Martin comps, I, you know, I, I think Craig's a little longer than both of the Martins. I think he's got more of a tackle body honestly, uh, than he does an interior body, but he's not too tall where he can't play center. So I don't, I don't know if that'd be the cop I'd go with. Uh, I also think that Zach Martin, um, was, to me was bigger than 270 when it came to Notre Dame, but also Zach Martin was a, a lot stronger. I mean, Zach Martin was one of the stronger linemen I've, I've seen Notre Dame land. I mean, he wasn't a real big guy, but he's, and that's the reason he's been so good in the NFL as a guard, despite being 305 to 300 pounds is he's incredibly powerful. He's got a really thicker lower half where Ashton Craig kind of has to gr- fill out his frame. Zach Martin always had a, a thick lower half. So I, I think that's uh I think that was a good fit. I mean, honestly, in, in a lot of ways, Craig reminds me a lot of a Robert Hainsey kind of guy. You know, maybe maybe a little bit more athletic, not as t- technically sound, not as naturally powerful as Robert was, at least at the same age. Close, but not quite. But similar of that versatility, you know, I thought Robert Hainsey could have played all five positions on the offensive line, and I feel the same way about, about Ashton Craig. 
Uh, D-Rock, only program out there where you need to show up at least 30 to 45 minutes early to find a seat to participate. Good afternoon, everyone, and, and, and go Irish. Tommy Leonard says, not super excited about this, but being optimistic that he pans out and is better than advertised. But advertised by who, Tommy? That's that's what I'm saying is, so basically at this point in time, you're saying you trust rivals in 247 sports more than you trust me. I'm not going to say the Nerd in coaches because I get that one, and that's sort of a double-edged sword. But I'm just telling you, don't don't stress about the three-star stuff. Okay, with Ashton Craig, don't. This kid can play. This this kid can play. And and you know, if if he was ranked as a top 200 player and had the same exact film, you we'd probably be fired up about it. I'm just telling you the film is what I care about. I don't care about three star all that other stuff. This is a good pickup. And this is this is the kind of comment that is exactly what I'm talking about. We need to we need to separate what's going on at the position as a whole with evaluating Ashton Craig as a prospect. Kenny Moore says, I get this kid as potential, but it seems like we are settling a little bit too much when it comes to O-line recruiting hard to continue being O-line you when you settle for plan C recruits. I don't think he's a plan C recruit, Kenny, but this is exactly what I'm talking about. This is an example of where, where we're basically put projecting our frustration with Jeff Quinn onto Ashton Craig as a prospect. And I don't think we should do that. I think we can say, look, offensive line recruiting is not going the way it should. It's not. It didn't last year. I mean, you got two top players, but the depth of top players wasn't there. But again, all that, that's not Ashton Craig's fault, right? None of that's Ashton Craig's fault. This is a good football player. I'll take a kid like this every year. I'll take a kid like Joe Alt every year, one of them. So yes, I understand the frustration, but but this kid is a good player. He's not a plan C. If Notre Dame would have offered him much early in the process, I'd have been okay with that. If As long as it didn't mean that they're not going to take Shrouth or not going to take Hensman or not going to take one of those other guys, I'd be okay with this. And this kid can play. This kid can play. Uh, Garth Cassidy, Brian, I would go into fall camp like this. Left tackle Fisher uh, and Carmody. Left guard Spindler Kristovic. I don't think Michael Carmody's a left tackle. Left guard Spindler Kristoffic, center Patterson Carell, right guard Marshall Guy, Dirksen Carroll, uh, right tackle Luggan Baker. I, I I don't think you can have Zeke Carell buried behind your best lineman. I think that'd be a huge mistake. I'd take Zeke Carell over Kane Madden any day of the week in every other way except experience. I think you have to move. If you're going to have Jarrett Patterson in center, you got to move Zeke Carell somewhere where he can battle for a starting job. I don't care if it's left guard or right guard, but I just don't think you can. I don't think you can do that. And most of the other stuff, I have I have no problem with. All right. Yeah, Notre Dame 2164. This is, yeah, like Brian said the other day, let him cook in the Indy system for a couple of years, and I believe he'll be a solid starter for Notre Dame. Having said that, I think one of these guys' pro line class is enough. I agree with that. Now, that's the one thing is I don't want to, uh, I don't want five Joe Waltz. I want one. I don't, you know, per year. I don't want five Quinn um, Ashton Craigs per year. I, I just want one. I mean, that's, that's how you have to build this out. But, yeah, I mean, you know, look, let him. He's going to be a Matt Bayless project the next couple of years. That, that's good. I like that. Just like Joe Walt's going to be. This is a good pickup. Look at look. This is a good pickup. Dylan Ergens asks, "Hey, coach, looking at the commit so far, would you say it's more of what we've seen in the past, or moving in the right direction? I lean towards more of the same without top O line commits. I actually think at, at some several positions, I think they're trending in the right direction. They're definitely doing better at running back." They're definitely doing better at you know defensive line and linebacker, and even the secondary is moving in the right direction. You know, you haven't gotten a Kyle Hamilton the last couple of years, but you've gotten good players. So I think they're they're going in the right direction. My concern, however, is that there are some positions where I don't think they're building the right kind of class. It's not just about highly ranked guys. And then, of course, 
offensive line is taking a step back, and, and, and that's certainly concerning. And Kenny did say Harry spoiled us. That is absolutely true. Uh, Brandon says, uh, at this point, we need two of Shrouth, Bruner, Wagner, and Rice. I just have a really hard time seeing that happening. I'll say this. If they get one of those guys, Brandon, I understand where you're coming from, but if you get one of those guys, especially if it's Shrouth or Rice, if you get one of Shrouth or Rice, you can be done and and call it a day. If you get Bruner or Wagner, I think you need a second guy. I I would say that. I I don't put Shrouth and I don't put Bruner and Wagner in the same categories I put Shrouth and Rice. I I just I just don't. Now Brandon also asks, uh, Brian, whatever happened with Jacob Allen? I'm trying to figure out why Notre Dame didn't push for him. Now he's committed to Rutgers. I have no idea. I like that kid's film a lot. I have no clue. Maybe that's a guy that, assuming there was no red flag academically or character-wise or something along those lines, if he was interested, he'd be a guy that I would I would work on trying to flip. I, I liked I liked him quite a bit coming out of high school. Um, let's see if we can get any more of these offensive line questions before we. Pause and go to the other topics. Notre Dame 2164. I'm trying to figure out how a team nicknamed O line U keeps getting beat out for linemen that they want. We've had some really good commits, but we've missed an awful lot too. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off on those kind of comments. There's nothing wrong with your sound. I don't disagree, but I want to focus on on Ashton Craig and then the O line class and then the the nuggets that we got. I'm gonna what I would ask you all to do is if I pass over your question that's sort of like this one, and again, it's a good question. It's a fair question, and I have no problem answering it. I just Let's maybe save that for tomorrow, and let's discuss this tomorrow when we talk more of the big picture type of recruiting stuff. So, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see. Um, we'll have to see how that goes. But I want to try to get some more of these questions in regards to uh, Mike Gardner. This is a good one. Anyone else been yelled at for telling their wife to let it play out? <laughs> Um, I actually said that to my wife last night and I, uh, she was doing something with the conference and I, um, I kind of had to, I had to, I had to stop myself from, from laughing out loud. Cause I don't think she would have got it. Let's try to see if we find any more of these, these questions about, about, uh, Ashton Craig before we move on. Uh, Tony says, got to be honest, this pickup is very underwhelming. How do you go from uh, being favored for top 150 O-line prospects to this? Seems like a huge drop-off, not a knock on the kid, more so the coaching. This is exactly what I'm talking about, though, Tony, is I understand where you're coming from, but that's, again, that's projecting your that's projecting your overall disappointment with the class on, on Ashton. And the fact is, is Ashton can play. Are there problems with O-line recruiting? Yes, is the timing of when they offered Ashton and got Ashton going to make it hard to differentiate the two? Yes. But you know me, Tony, right? I think one of the reasons you especially listen to this show is because you know I'm going to be honest. And if the coaches need hammered, I'm going to hammer them. I have also not been at all shy and bashful about hammering Jeff Quinn. If this kid couldn't play or if this was a, this is just not a kind of kid Notre Dame should be taken, I'd tell you. I would not be shy about telling you that. I'm just telling you that when I watch the film, uh, this kid can play. I mean, <laughs> this is a kid I would take. If Notre Dame landed Billy Shrouth the week that he committed, and if they landed Jake Taylor the first weekend, you all know that's my number one interior lineman and my number one tackle. If they landed two the, those two guys and they landed Ashton Craig this weekend, I'd be saying the exact same things about Ashton Craig that I'm saying now. This kid can play. This is a good take. 
Now, the other positions that they're trying to fill the class up with, that's a problem. But for Ashton Craig, this kid can play. This kid can play. And, 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 I, and I like the kid. So that's going to be it for the Ashton Craig portion of this podcast. So it be, uh, if you're going to bail out now, please hit the like button. Please hit the subscribe button and please hit the notifications bell. And as always, check out irishbreakdown.com. If you want to rock some Irish Breakdown merch, we have a, a uh, link to our store down below. But that's going to be it for the Ashton Craig podcast. Next up, we are going to talk about some of the things that I'm hearing regarding the rest of this weekend's visitors for Notre Dame. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.